You're listening to the Live Yes with Arthritis podcast, created by the Arthritis Foundation to help people with arthritis and the people who love them live their best lives. If you're dealing with chronic pain, this podcast is for you. You may have arthritis, but it doesn't have you. Here, you'll learn how you can take control. Our host is Rebecca Gillette, an arthritis patient and occupational therapist who is joined by others to help you live your yes. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Live Yes with Arthritis podcast. If you didn't know, kids get arthritis too. That's right. Over 300,000 children in the United States are doctor diagnosed with a form of a pediatric rheumatic condition or juvenile arthritis. That's a big umbrella term. But at the Arthritis Foundation, we've worked to fund research, provide resources, and connect juvenile arthritis families over the years. We do this through an annual juvenile arthritis conference, juvenile arthritis camps across the U.S. in different cities, and JA, as we call it, family days, as well as through new national virtual connect groups. But in my 20 plus years of living with rheumatoid arthritis, some of the most inspiring people I've met are kids with arthritis. I was fortunate enough to attend a juvenile arthritis conference in Colorado many years ago, and it changed so much of my perspective of my own journey with arthritis. It was very powerful and motivating. And a friend of mine who was there with me, who was on a similar journey as me, we both just sat there in awe of all of the kids and families that we met. It really did light a fire in me to keep working toward making sure that we educate people with arthritis, but also to raise awareness. So many people out there don't know that kids get arthritis. So often since my 20s and the 20 plus years I've had arthritis, have I had people say, oh, you're too young to have arthritis. And I always respond with, little do you know, there are kids who get diagnosed at 18 months and two years old. And so in today's episode, we're going to meet two young adults who have grown up with juvenile arthritis. They host their own podcast and were able to share their experiences with kids, teens, and young adults at this past summer's conference in July. And one thing that's so important, no matter what your age is, is finding a connection with somebody else who also knows what you're going through and walks in your shoes. And so I'm so excited to have Bree and Becca joining me today. Bree Ramos and Becca Nelson host their own podcast called Those Girls with Arthritis. You may have seen it or heard it. And so I'm excited to have them join me in this conversation today to tell us a little bit about their journeys and their experience in connecting with other kids and sharing their stories. So welcome to the podcast, guys, or girls. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction, for having us. Let's start with you, Brie. Can you share a little bit about your story? So I'm 25 now. I was diagnosed at 13 with mixed connective tissue disease, which is more rare, but it falls under the, you know, arthritis umbrella that you were referring to. It's a little bit different for everybody who has it. Mine's an overlap of rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and scleroderma. So I first found out kind of about the Arthritis Foundation through my doctor, actually. 
um, my rheumatologist, I went to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. That's when I first found out about camp. And I attended one of the arthritis camps as a kid. And even as a teen and young adult, I went back as a counselor and whatnot. So that was like really impactful. But since I was diagnosed, I mean, there's been a lot of ups and downs and everything, but it's been an interesting journey. I just have been glad to have the support of the foundation and everybody I've met along the way for sure. Yeah, that's what you hear. A lot of kids grow up basically through the Arthritis Foundation and connecting with other people, which is, I think, how you met Becca. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Becca and I met at an Arthritis Foundation. Like it was some sort of networking connect event in Tampa. I was still in college at the time. I hadn't gotten involved with the foundation at all in Florida. I was involved up north, like Jersey, Philly chapter. So it was my first, like, Florida event I was going to. And I was like, let me just go into this event, try to like talk to like one person at least while I'm there. And I saw Becca and she was like around my age. So I was like, oh, perfect. So I like went up to her and we were talking. And then I ended up finding her the next day on LinkedIn and messaging her on LinkedIn, which we always laugh about. Like not Facebook or Instagram. It was LinkedIn. It was LinkedIn. <laughs> Well, it was a um, yeah. networking event, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we did meet through the foundation, which was really awesome. Well, that's awesome. So Becca Nelson, thanks for joining us as well. Can you share a little bit about your journey and your story? Yeah, of course. Like Bree said, thanks for having us. I was diagnosed 20 years ago as well. Um, I was nine when I was diagnosed and I'll never forget it. So I know... Obviously, everyone knows 9-11 was such a big impactful thing on the United States, on the world. And that really kind of kicked off my diagnosis journey. I was trying to trace my hand for a school flag and my hand couldn't lay flat. And I remember my teacher trying to like push on my hand and just being in so much pain. And that kind of triggered okay, something's going on. It's not just growing pain. She's not just complaining. She's moving differently. Like there's something going on. So after many, many doctor's appointments and things, they diagnosed me with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And being in third grade at the time, I didn't really understand what it was. I just knew like something was essentially wrong with me, which I know isn't kind of the right way to phrase it. But as a nine-year-old, that's just what I thought it was. And I kind of took the opposite route of Brie. I did not really come to terms with having arthritis. I never wanted to talk about it. I didn't want other people to know about it. I like threatened my two sisters. I'd beat them up if they told anyone I had it. (laughs) I was very like, don't want to talk about it. Kind of let my parents tell other parents to tell my friends. Eventually, I kind of started telling my close friends and things. And just as I grew up, I started to get a little bit more comfortable with it. And then in college, I met some friends. I was going through recruitment for school and I ended up joining a organization, the sorority off Omicron Pi and their philanthropy was the Arthritis Foundation. Right. And at first I didn't want to join them because of it. But then I ended up joining them and finding like lifelong friends who really helped me get more comfortable and just be able to share my story and talk more about it really helped me open up. And from there, that's kind of when I got involved with the Arthritis Foundation. And, you know, Jingle Bell Run is something I do every year. I have so much fun doing it. And my team and my family and friends have 
supported me along the years. And that's, you know, kind of how it all spiraled and ended up getting to meet Brie. And all of a sudden we like blink and I had a dream and now we're doing a podcast together. So that's so fun. It's very fun. It's striking to hear you both tell kind of your story and and how you shared your story of arthritis over the years and dealt with it mentally and emotionally, Mm -hmm. because I don't think it's any different from any adult who gets diagnosed. I was 26 when I was diagnosed. I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't really tell anybody. I actually ignored that I had it for the first two years and I paid for it. And it's actually why I'm here today, right? So I didn't want to tell a lot of people. I wanted to pretend like I didn't have it, but I didn't know that there were things that I could do to help myself, mm-hmm. you know? And and I think like Bree's story, when I got connected to another person and I went to a meeting, I was like, oh, oh, okay, this is normal that I'm having this kind of pain or that I wake up like this and I'm not, I'm not alone, right? Yeah. And I think it doesn't matter what age you are, like, you were saying, Becca, you know, something was wrong with me. Like, I I don't want people to know that something's wrong with me. And I know so many JA kids who are on either side of that coin, right? Where they're willing to talk about it or their parents are very willing to talk about it and they're shy and they don't want to share it. But it's all about your comfort level. But I think, you know, in all the podcasts we've done over the last few years, it's a personal thing. You know, everybody's can be very private and there are people who can be very open and do podcasts now, right? (laughs) So it just goes to show like no matter your age, we all go through that, what we call like it's a grieving process. We did an episode on grief this year and chronic illness. And it really is something that I think never goes away. It just changes, right? Because grief is change is what I've learned. Yeah, when I was diagnosed, I mean, I had and having symptoms and things like that for probably a lot longer than we even realized. Like at my first appointment where I was diagnosed, they were doing the thing, you know, like they poke on all of your joints and everything like that. And they're like, does this hurt? Does this hurt? And everything hurt. But I thought that was normal at 13 because I had, that's what I was used to for so long and how tired I was. And, oh, I'm just active with dance and cheer and school and all this stuff, I thought it was all normal. So that's just interesting too. I mean, because Becca and I, our stories we talk are different as well because I wasn't diagnosed till I was a teenager and Becca was younger. And then we talked to people who were diagnosed, like you were saying, at 18 months. And that's totally different. Right. I don't know how I would have reacted or how I would have acted being diagnosed later in life because I feel like I just it just became my norm, especially just growing up all these aches and pains and everything. This is like normal to me. It always is interesting to think about what would have, how I would have felt, what I could have done. Yeah. Well, nowadays you just are in the moment, right? Or try to be like, okay, well, what am I going to wake up with tomorrow? You just never know, right? So it's, how am I going to respond? Like you, you develop your toolbox as we say, right? Of like, okay, if I wake up tomorrow... And I'm hurting. Here's my routine of the things that I do, right? Yeah. But you're just used to it, right? But like I've always said, there's always something that comes up that brings you back to that space again. We're like, oh my God, I don't want to share 
I don't want to share this. And I actually went through that this year because I've had other health issues, but because I'm on immune suppressants, I've had COVID twice this year and other stuff happening. And it's just like, oh my God, I get exhausted by myself. And I just don't care to share it anymore because it just feels like you're a broken record sometimes, you know? Yeah. You just go through these phases, but then you know that I got out of it before. I'm going to get out of it again. I always feel for and get so inspired by kids who grow up with it and start at a young age is the resiliency. I've been in the same boat before where I'm like, I don't know how I could do this any longer. It just is a roller coaster all the time. And you just flipped right back to where you started. And I've texted Becca before, like, I don't know what the heck I'm going to say on my Instagram this week. I feel terrible. And I don't want to tell people that. Like, I don't want to be on there and be like, I feel terrible again. I don't want to have to cancel on friends again. It's annoying. People are probably annoyed listening to me talk about it. But I think that too about kids. I was diagnosed at a young age, but then I see like the little babies and I'm like, now that's a warrior. Like I'm like, holy moly, you just compare it to yourself and you're like, well, I guess I'm lucky. Like I was only diagnosed at 13, but... (laughs) right. I think it's hard because there is a community out there and it's just like, how do you find it? It's like, we are very lucky. We got plugged in like Jingle Bell and Arthritis Foundation and volunteering and things like that. But before, like, I really didn't know anyone in my community, in my school, in my sports teams who had arthritis. I always talk about like, yeah, arthritis is obviously physical, but it's emotional. It's mental. I grew up in a very faithful, like, household, like religious household. We went to church every Sunday and it can affect you spiritually too. Like the why me? So it's just hard. It gets hard sometimes, but I think being able to have those people you can reach out to and just love and understand you unconditionally like helps in the long run. If you want to learn more about juvenile arthritis and related diseases, Count on the Arthritis Foundation. Explore our JA camps, the National JA Family Summit, and other ways to stay in touch and be in the know about everything JA for juvenile arthritis. Visit arthritis.org slash JA. You guys were presenters at our juvenile arthritis conference. And so we're used to doing the podcast. With a podcast, we hide behind our mic and we're not in (laughs) front of people. So what was that like for you to be face-to-face with a room full of kids with JA? We were so nervous and we were like, (laughs) what kind of questions are they going to ask us? Is it going to be like intense, like not inappropriate questions, but just questions like teenagers would want to know, like drinking, partying, like I kept teasing Brie. It's like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And we're (laughs) like ready to dive into it. But they were really just so focused on like their own like diagnosis journey. It almost felt like we were talking to like our friends. Like it was, it took a second for them to kind of warm up to us in the first session. But then I feel like once we just kind of laid it out there to them and we -hmm. started having some natural conversation. It it was nice to be able to hear their viewpoint on things as well too. For sure. 
And there were some siblings there. They were just so focused on how they could help their siblings and get a better understanding that it was just a really good, like feel good moment. And we knew some of the kids, like Brie met one of her campers, yeah, one of like my in the old elevator. Campers from like years ago was there. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe it's you and like his mom and everything. But it's been a few years since I've been to camp in person. I thought it was so amazing having the whole families involved. Like Becca mm-hmm. was saying, seeing the siblings in that room. I have two younger sisters who were always looking for the best ways to support me and still are. My husband was there with us too. And like, I got to see him experience that for the first time. Like all of those stories coming out in one room at, you know, one time. And it's just like, I get chills thinking about it. It was just like, it's just like emotional weekend in a good way though. Like, yes, you Mm -hmm. were saying it just like revs you up to back to the mission and why we do what we do. And we spend all this time and, you know, energy providing these resources and sharing our stories for a reason. And that's exactly why we do it. All over the country, we have support groups to help you manage your arthritis. Groups may meet virtually or face-to-face, depending on your location and the pandemic. Connect with others who care at connectgroups.arthritis.org. I know that everybody liked hearing from you guys and being able to ask questions. We recorded your session. And so we're going to play some of the audio from the conference to see what the kinds of questions that you know young adults and teens and kids were asking you guys. And I think it's relatable to whoever's listening. So the first question. When did you guys start working within the Arthritis Foundation or getting involved? The first thing I did for the Arthritis Foundation was Camp JRA. It was in Pennsylvania, one of their arthritis camps. It changed my whole world that camp did. Just talking with people like me, seeing other young adults who were the counselors and running the camp. And they just provided me so much hope that I could have, you know, a quote, normal life. And I could still do all of these things. And it was the first time I got to meet kids, you know, with arthritis. And since my experience at camp, that's just been my driver this whole time. Why I volunteer with the Arthritis Foundation, why I fundraise for the Arthritis Foundation, why we do everything we do, because they offer things like camp, which just changed my world. Yeah, that's awesome. For me, I was diagnosed at nine, but did not get involved with the foundation till my early 20s, which I definitely regret. But I was able to kind of get plugged in through the Arthritis Foundation through the Jingle Bell Run. So I first kind of just signed up to help volunteer and do the run with like one or two friends. And then, you know, the next year, my team slowly grew to my family. And then the next year, some other friends. I think this is my sixth or seventh year now. And it's just one of the things everyone looks forward to every year. They love to not just donate, but dress up in our holiday attire and just support me and other people that are there. So I definitely recommend to those 
when you get diagnosed to just explore all the Arthritis Foundation has to offer. Find your community within the Arthritis Foundation. I think it's super important to do that. I know whenever I hear Brie talk about camp, I get so jealous because I'm like, (laughs) I want to go to camp. I want to be a camp kid. And I just think about all the summers I like my mom and dad offered like, Hey, do you want to do it? And I always turned it down and don't be like me and try to get involved as soon as you can. Well, and you know, for any adults listening, of course, and any other listeners, there's always volunteer opportunities and anything that you find, whether it's an event like Jingle Bell Run or the Walk to Cure Arthritis, but any of the juvenile arthritis events, it will change your life. I promise. So I think there was another teen that asked a question who was a sibling. Is there a way I can like sort of subtly start to help him like offer him help without it being super obvious that I'm his little sister doing stuff for him? Which I think that's, that's hard for siblings, right? And it's hard for you as the one with arthritis because you don't want to always feel like you're having to have your sibling help. How would you respond? I, first off, I'm trying to think about being in that moment when the sibling asked how to help their sibling and just how impressed I was. And I remember talking to my siblings afterwards and asking them because I feel like I was so reserved. I didn't want to ask them. And they were like, well, I did stuff without you like having to ask. It just kind of became like a routine. Like my older sister was like, I opened water bottles for you or my little sister like, helped me do just different tasks around the house and just things, you know, not push me if I said I'm not feeling good, just kind of be like, okay, like, let's try it again later. I know my biggest advice for siblings, like obviously be a listening ear and to just try and understand like they might not want help right now, but just to make sure to let them know that like you're in their corner, you're on their team and you're there for whatever they need when they need it. Yeah, I totally agree with what Becca just said. And I had the same reaction when the sibling stood up and asked this question at conference. I was like literally shook because I was just like, oh my gosh, like my heart. It was just so sincere and so kind that I talked to my, I have two younger sisters after about it as well. And a lot of the same things Becca was saying, opening water bottles, lifting heavy things for me but also like educating themselves and like as much as they could to understand what I was going through. And also so they could like serve as an advocate for me amongst their peers as well. I remember being there and talking about how my siblings always let me have the front seat on like family trips and vacations. And I remember all the kids were in an uproar. They were like, what? Like my siblings don't do that for me. And I'm like, oh, wow. Even to this day, like I'm in almost 30 and my family always knows I go in the front seat, like no matter what, just, you know, because of it. So I thought that was kind of funny. They're like, no, there's no way they would let me do that. But I think you just end up kind of getting into a routine where you're not even having to ask. It's just kind of like second nature, if you will. Oh yeah. I uh, <laughs> The water bottle thing never ends, right? I don't even have to ask. You just like hit it out. Or if we go somewhere, we're buying it. Like my husband will just automatically take it and open it and, and then make it so that I can open it when I want it. Right. I mean, that's something anybody can relate to has pain in their hands. We have another question about just changing over the years. 
how it feels. How has your arthritis gotten, like, how has it changed over the years, like easier, harder to manage? This was such a tough question. I remember when they asked this. It's like my arthritis has changed a lot. I feel like I've learned better ways to manage it. But sometimes it feels like at the same speed that I'm learning about it, it's changing. So it's like, it's like tough to answer the question. I don't know. It's a hamster wheel. Yeah. It's a hamster wheel with like some obstacles, but you're still going in a circle. Right. I would love to say that it's easier. Like I would love to say that and give that positive outlook, but I feel like you just learn to manage it better while it changes. Yeah. And there's a lot that goes, I feel like, into having arthritis that some people, again, it's not just physical. Like I remember when I graduated high school and became a young adult, like I was making my appointments. I was calling the insurance Mm -hmm. company and memorizing the codes and asking why they coded to this instead of this. And why (laughs) is it X amount and this amount? Once you get older, I do feel like it kind of gets harder in a sense because yeah, your body's changing from a nine-year-old to almost 30. My body has changed a lot. Your environment could change. Like I was in Georgia, then I was in Florida. Now I'm back in Georgia. So I'm even now kind of relearning my body as the weather and my surroundings are changing. So that question was hard. I feel like the kids were kind of looking for us to kind of give them a little bit of reassurance that it gets better and easier. And I think we had to like take that second to like be real with them and be like, listen, it is going to get hard. Like being your own advocate is hard when you have your school plans and all of that. Like you don't necessarily have someone helping you when you're older. You have to be your own voice. Right. I hope that resonated a little bit with them and kind of empowered them a little bit, like not necessarily scared them, but just, you know, let them know like they could face this kind of head on. Yeah. That's a very hard question and answer. But what you gain over the years, what I think a lot of kids with JA that I've met who are now adults is wisdom, right? You go through all the changes and everybody does, right? But the wisdom to know that you are going to come out of this, you have found ways to deal with it. You've met people and connected with people who can get you through it. And I think that's a difference because I've always said, Every JA kid I've interviewed, my husband and I have done videos for our walk, honoree kids. And I'm always come away with that, of course, in tears, but also everybody has like an old soul. And I think to me, that's the wisdom of having to go through all of the things and it became your norm, but you've had to deal with a lot, right? And all of us deal with a lot, right? Like the world's a little crazy these days, but we're all dealing with a lot. So when you see that in somebody who's so young, to me, that's inspiring. You just know like, okay, I've dealt with this crap before. I'll get through it again, but give me a moment to feel all the feels. You know, after a certain age, like, you know, you can't run away from it and you can't ignore it, right? You get better at that a little bit. You're able to articulate it as well. I had this happen in real life last week. Um, J.A. mom asked me, if I was like still in pain and how I was like managing it. And I was like, I knew she needed, didn't need to hear me say yes, you know? Yeah. And I kind of said, she's going to be so much more mature because of it. 
She's going to learn to manage it so well. You're doing so much for her right now just by being here. It's tough to be put in that position. Yeah. I think we have another question. How did you find the balance of leaning on friends and family um, while still remaining independent and in control of your own care? I know for me hearing that, I mean, gosh, it just sounds so way older than beyond their years. I was telling them it took me a long time to lean on my family, my friends, like even telling people. But I think once I was in college and kind of owning more of like my appointments and my every day to day, I think that's kind of when I realized you know, I needed to be independent and I needed to be in charge of my own care because someone wasn't going to do it for me anymore. I think that once I kind of checked myself and (laughs) reflected on myself, then everything else kind of fell into place. Then it was like, okay, cool. I could rely on my family or my friends to give me a pep talk before my appointments. Or, you know, one day I had a rough doctor's appointment. I was on the phone with insurance companies all day and I was could cry in my room to someone, you know, like just little things. But I also think it just comes with time. And I hate saying that, but I just feel like the more you get involved and the more you're exposed to, the more you can learn your body and your routines and habits and things as well. Yeah, I think so. Like when I was first diagnosed and those first years before I went off to college, I really like relied on my family so much, too much. I was, I don't want to say babied, but I like relied on them a lot to do things for me, probably more than I should have. Then I went off to college and I just like was a hundred percent independent and not open and not talking. It went from like one extreme to the other. And then I had to like learn to find that balance again. And I think I'm at that point in my life now, 10 years later, where I have found that balance. Yeah. And I think it's understanding like the difference and being able to like, I know my husband calls me out sometimes and I know my sisters do. And it's like, is this arthritis related or do you just not want to do it? Or do you just not enjoy this? So it's like finding that, okay, am I using this as a crutch? Am I using this as an excuse? Or like, am I truly hurting? Am I truly in pain and not being offended that they're checking you, if you will, in a way, but just they're <laughs> yep. trying to communicate and learn. Like there's been plenty of times and I will literally tell my husband like, yeah, I just don't feel like doing it. It's not arthritis related. I just don't want to do it. You know? And he's like, okay, that's fine. Then there's some days where I'm like, I want to do it. And I'm like, so upset. And I'm like crying in pain and I just can't do it. And he gets it. Too. So it's just trying to find that open door to communicate, I think is just so important. Yeah. Communication is key, right? But it's funny that you say that. I think, you know, when you have your partner, or your spouse, or your caregiver, your loved one, whoever helps you and you lean on, when they can call you out like that, that's when you know they truly do understand what you're going through. But I know a lot of people struggle with that, right? Loved ones understanding the kind of pain they're going through, but it's an education process that never ends really, right? It really never ends. We're always educating those around us. And sometimes that gets exhausting. So sometimes it's easier to just say, yeah, yeah, I just don't want to do it. 
Right. But you have to be able to just communicate that. You know, I love that honesty, right? My husband checks me all the time because sometimes <laughs> I have these grand ideas and he's like, mm, yeah, not smart for your risk. Give me that. You know, we all need that. We need somebody who can help us take care of ourselves because sometimes we're a little too headstrong. I think there's one more clip. How do you deal with sports and like being able to talk to your coaches about it? This is a question that I think I know I've, and and this can apply any age, right? How do you deal with like wanting to do stuff with groups of people, yet you know you're limited? I know for me, like I I feel like this first question came more directed to me because I was pretty honest with the kids. Like I was super involved with soccer, basketball, swimming, and growing up, I kind of relied on my parents. And that kind of told the coaches, but then as I got older and like high school age, like I really had to own it in middle school. It was hard. The coaches were like, okay, instead of running the mile, you can walk along the track or walk around the grass or do this. And then my friends are trying to walk with me. I'm like, no, like, you know, you're, this is tryouts. You need to go do your own thing. Let me do this. And they just couldn't understand why are you doing it this way? And we have to do it this way. Or the coach is like not understanding that one day I could be able to go full out. And the next day I might have to sit on the sidelines. Like I just am having a flare up and I'm not really understanding what that means. So I think it's just the comfort level and just being able to understand one that like they might not understand and two, like how you can explain your body to them. And I know we talked with the kids to like, maybe kind of come up with some solutions too. like, instead of like sitting out, why don't I walk the track or instead of doing stadiums, let me do like an extra three laps or something like that. So it just shows like just your commitment, you know, not just to your coach, but to your team that you want to be involved and you want to play, but you just might have to modify some things. Um, So I think that was kind of the biggest takeaway from that question that I had. And I know Brie was really involved with cheerleading and things right when she was diagnosed too. And she had some good advice for the kids too. Yeah, I really struggled in high school with teachers and staff and administration not understanding whatsoever. It was very, very bad. You have to find your balance of what you can and can do, find the modifications that work for you. Talking to coaches and adults though, as like a kid at school is scary. If you don't feel comfortable advocating for yourself in that situation, do it with a parent, do it, you know, in a scheduled meeting kind of setting. You don't feel like on the spot to do that because that's really tough. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, just like going to a doctor's appointment with somebody, having a friend or a loved one come with you. Yeah. But same thing can apply to work. There are a lot of people who don't share their information. You don't have to when you're at work, but if you need accommodations, you know, they're afraid to ask for that. Don't want to be judged or thought of that way. There's the ADA laws for a reason. And so I think it just applies to anything that you do as you go along. It just changes the environment that you're in that you're asking, right? Mm -hmm. You spoke at the conference to three different age groups and they range from like middle school to young adults. What kind of advice would you give 
to those who are transitioning. Becca, you mentioned earlier how you start having to make your own appointments and advocating for yourself. Are there any specific tips for those teens who are transitioning to handle their their care? I was so honest about this at conference. Like it's hard. Yeah. It is not easy. Start doing little things before you make the big transition. Go into an appointment by yourself. Call to make the appointment. Things like that. So like when you are a hundred percent on your own, that you kind of like know some things at first, but and I think it's important to make like a transition plan with your parents or partner as a kid going to adult world, like how Bree mentioned, like doing appointments on your own or understanding how to talk to the insurance companies. I think that was my <laughs> biggest struggle for me, not being afraid to like spend a couple extra minutes, like to really just under, I mean, I still don't understand it. And every time it's a whole other ordeal, if you don't get the answer to keep calling and keep asking, but don't be afraid to ask again. I think that's really important. Sometimes people might get discouraged if they, not that if they don't get an answer they're looking for, but if they don't get like clarity that they just won't ask it again, but just keep kind of running tabs. And Brie has this really great like medical journal if you will, (laughs) I'm plugging it. It's incredible. And it's helped me get a lot more organized. Even like my husband today, like I had a little bit of a flare up and he's like, you need to be using that journal more and like really understanding and like recording like what's going on so you can articulate it and being able to do that younger and in that early diagnosis Mm -hmm. is I think just so, so important. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You'd be surprised how much even like having a good support system like the transition times Mm -hmm. helps too. It's so important to have a support system in place, even for things like that, like the transition period. And I mean, I'm not really transitioning anymore to adult care. I'm in adult care, but it's just so helpful to have people to talk to. Your donation to the Arthritis Foundation goes directly toward arthritis research and resources. Like our community-based programs for juvenile arthritis, or JA, scholarships for our JA camps, plus our national conference, support groups, medical research, and more. Help keep us going strong at arthritis.org slash donate. Thank you guys for being at that conference, volunteering your time, sharing your stories, and hopefully inspiring and empowering some other young adults and teens to to take control of their arthritis, but also for just sharing your story with all of our listeners today. Before we go, we always end our podcast on our top three takeaways, what your top three takeaways are from our conversation today. We talked a lot about communication and communicating. I think communicating honestly with your friends, your family members, partner, whatever that looks like, doctors, and yourself, like being honest with yourself. Like, I really need to slow down today, or I really need to schedule an appointment with my rheumatologist and talk to her about this or anything. Just doing that, communicating, but also being honest about it. Yeah, definitely. And I think another takeaway, just you're not alone. 
there's other people that, you know, couldn't relate to you and maybe you can learn from, or they can learn from you. And I think it's super important to find your people, whether it's your friends, your family, again, your partners, you know, be comfortable with yourself, but also don't be afraid to reach out to some other people. The Arthritis Foundation's here to support you. There's a community out here, even online. We've met a lot of people through our Instagram page, Facebook pages and stuff that go through similar experience. So just find others that you can kind of rely on and also that you can kind of listen to just so you don't feel like you're alone. Our last takeaway is, you know, something we try to talk about a lot already, Becca and I, and it sucks that we have arthritis and we were you know, dealt this card, but this is our life and we're just doing the best we can to make the most of it. We're not going to push everything happens for a reason and we're not going to push the positive mantras on everybody, but just finding the small things, we're big advocates for that to stay positive and really, I mean, just make the most of every single day. I love it. That's one thing I loved about this conversation because, you know, while we've had three very different journeys. We've all been through the same thing, right? And still go through it. Thank you guys for being role models for our community and for sharing your stories and doing the things that you do to to reach out and, and help others. Well, thank you for having us. And if we didn't say it enough, we had an amazing time at JA Conference and are excited for Atlanta next summer. It was just an amazing experience and we got to connect with so many people and it was just awesome. (laughs) Yes, totally agree. It's just like we mentioned earlier about finding that community. It's just very nice to be reassured and reminded sometimes, but it was such an incredible experience being able to listen and chat with some of those kids in the sessions and even sit in on some other sessions. Very eye-opening and just good feeling. Well, thank you for joining me. It's been great. I want to also remind our listeners, Bree and Becca talked a lot about our juvenile arthritis events and conferences and camps. If you don't know a lot about juvenile arthritis and you want to learn more, our website is the best place to go. So check it out, arthritis.org. You can find information about juvenile arthritis. You can find information about how to volunteer or get involved. Another thing that just recently rolled out are our connect groups. Those are our virtual, national virtual connect groups, which are like support groups. And you might find your group in your tribe. So check out connect groups. Go to our website at arthritis.org for any of this information. Thanks for joining us. The Live Yes with Arthritis podcast is independently produced by the Arthritis Foundation to help people living with arthritis and chronic pain live their best life. People like you. For a transcript and show notes, go to arthritis.org slash podcast. Subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcast. And stay in touch. 